The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with closing in on a deal. Reports this morning, the White House and Speaker McCarthy are nearing an agreement to end the debt ceiling standoff, and not a moment too soon. NVIDIA's rise to new records lifting names across the tech space, but one high-profile ETF and its outspoken creator apparently left on the sidelines. And putting a bow on two weeks of retail results, consumer insights, and a look at the stocks with the most staying power in retail. Plus, Red Tea and Blue Oval team up to juice up your next EV road trip. And then later on in this show, Silicon Valley, it may be a buzz with the talk of AI, but now one major Wall Street bank wants in on this white-hot tech trend. It is Friday, May the 26th, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Thanks for starting your day with us. Let's kick off the half an hour with the check on U.S. stock futures. Looking right now, kind of a muted picture right now. The Nasdaq fractionally higher, the S&P and the Dow Jones fractionally lower. A mixed bag for the major averages heading into the final day of trading before the long holiday weekend. We begin checking the bond market, as we always do. Actually, looking at the markets right here. Um, but now over to the bond market. We begin with the 10-year. The benchmark right now at 3.79 continues to be elevated as we inch closer and closer to that so-called X date, whether it's June 1st or maybe a few days beyond. The two-year note now at 4.5%. Yesterday, it was a few basis points lower. Again, these yields just ticking up higher as we get closer to that date. We're also looking at energy this morning, specifically oil. We look at WTI, the U.S. benchmark, up fractionally this morning at basically 72 bucks a barrel. Brent crude, um, the international benchmark at 76 and a half almost, up fractionally as well. More movement when it comes to natural gas, down a half a percent. All right, time now to check on the early trade over in Europe, our Germana Bersetti. She is standing by in our London newsroom on this Friday morning. Germana, over to you. Good morning, Frank. Well, the stock 600 is trying to bounce off its eight-week lows, and we do see a little bit of green on the board today moving towards uh, the more positive territory. But for the week as a whole, all of these indices are deeply underwater, again, being gripped by some of the macro data that's come through, as well as those debt ceiling discussions from the U.S. The FTSE 100, you can see in the U.K., is up a couple of points. We are seeing a bit of a bounce in the commodity space today, so that's giving the U.K. index a bit of a boost. Also worth noting that retail sales in the U.K. came in very strong today, the strongest three-month growth since August 2021. Remember, this adds to yesterday's very strong UK inflation print, which has had knock-on effects on interest rate expectations in that part of the market. Cetradax in Germany is still trading a little bit weak. And remember, we also had weak GDP growth come through. That is hanging over some of the sectors in that space. Uh, industry, industrials continue to underperform. And then you can see more broadly, we have the other index also trading around the flat line. IBEX in Spain, one to watch as well. We have regional elections there this weekend could be a good litmus test ahead of the national elections in December this year. So, Jemana, we're also seeing some movement when it comes to the energy sector. Tell us about Chevron and Exxon. 
That's right. So Norway's sovereign wealth fund is actually siding with climate activists, saying it will vote against the CEOs of both Chevron and Exxon continuing as chairs of their respective boards. The fund says it does not believe the roles of chair and CEO should be held by the same individual. It also said it would vote against the companies on several emissions-related proposals. The fund held a 1.13% stake in ExxonMobil and 0.86% in Chevron at the end of last year. And you can see that those stocks are actually underperforming ahead of those key votes. And it is quite significant that the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund is actually voting on the side of climate activists on this one, Frank. All right, our Germana Brissetti live in our London newsroom. Germana, great to see you as always. All right, turning now to Washington, a developing story on the U.S. debt ceiling negotiations. There are just six days to go until the Treasury's projected X date. Multiple reports this morning, the Biden administration and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's office, they're closing in on a deal and drafting legislation that will raise the government's debt ceiling for at least two years. NBC's Bree Jackson joins me now from Washington with much more on the story. Bree, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Well, members of Congress have already headed home for the Memorial Day weekend as debt ceiling negotiators are still trying to figure out a compromise. We're just days away from defaulting on the debt ceiling. The only way to move forward is with a bipartisan agreement. We'll continue working hard, but I think we've got time. We're going to get this done. Both sides say talks are progressing. But it's slow progress. One of the biggest hangups, Republicans demand for tougher work requirements for people who receive food stamps and other government assistance. We have serious issues still to, to work out and come to terms with, and that's going to take some time. Some Democrats argue the GOP is holding the economy hostage and worry about possible concessions the president may make. Because they have concluded that if we crash the economy, it will benefit them politically. That's a sick way of thinking. This follows fresh concerns about the harm of failing to reach an agreement by the June 1st deadline. Just this week, a top credit rating agency warned of a potential downgrade to the U.S.'s AAA rating. President Biden tried to ease concerns, stressing default is not an option. The American people deserve to know that the Social Security payments will be there. The veterans' hospitals remain open. Members of the House left town for the Memorial Day weekend, but were told to be ready to return if a deal is reached. And Progressive Caucus Chair Pramila Jayapal said that Democrats were told that the earliest they would have to come back is this Sunday. Frank? All right, I saw Bree Jackson live in D.C. Bree, have a great weekend. All right, time now for a check on this morning's top corporate stories. Our Bertha Coombs is here with those. Bertha, good morning. Good morning, Frank. South Korea's Hyundai Motor and LG Energy announcing plans to build a more than $4 billion electric vehicle battery plant in the U.S. Executives from both companies signing a deal in Seoul today to build the joint venture in Savannah, Georgia, where Hyundai will also open a new EV factory. The joint venture will have an annual capacity of 30 gigawatt hours or enough to produce about 300,000 vehicles. The CEO of Baidu says the company will officially launch a generative AI model very soon. 
Robin Lee says it will power Baidu's ErnieBot, which is similar to ChatGPT, and upgrade its search engine. Baidu unveiled ErnieBot about two months ago to mix reviews. ErnieBot and related products powered by the AI language model have been in beta testing mode since then. The New York City Banking Commission voting to freeze the city's deposits at Capital One and Key Bank. The commission says the banks failed to submit plans on their efforts to root out discriminations. The existing accounts will still be used to make payments, but no new deposits will be made or new accounts be opened. In a statement, Capital One says it prohibits discrimination against anyone on the basis of protected characteristics. Frank? All right, Bertha, thank you very much. We'll see you a little bit later in the show. All right, turning back to the markets, investors are pouring cash into money market funds as they look for some safety in these low-risk assets. Data from ICI shows, as of Wednesday, total net assets and money market funds reached a record high of nearly $5.4 trillion. That's up from $4.8 trillion at the start of the year. Most of the assets tracked by ICI, they sit in funds that hold T-bills. The march into money market funds is happening with all the uncertainty around the debt ceiling that has pushed the yields on the one-month T-bill above 6%, even higher for those bills maturing right around the time the U.S. is projected to run out of cash in early June. Let's talk much more about this and the broader markets now with Quincy Crosby, Chief Global Strategist at LPL Financial. Quincy, great to see you. Thank you so much. All right, so we're talking about uh, short-term bonds right now. As we just mentioned, the one month above 6%. I was just looking at the yeah. two and the three month. They're at about five and a half. Really attractive yields when it comes to those short-term bonds. Um, as we are on the precipice of a deal, it seems like we're, we're inching closer to a deal. How does that shape your philosophy when it comes to bonds? Are equities attractive in this environment when we're this close to a deal and you get yields like that from bonds? You know, you could have a portfolio with the bonds complementing your positions in equities. Uh, it, it's it's unusual in all these years that we can have a portfolio that really gives a return in treasuries or investment grade corporates in this environment. You want to be careful, but you can't dismiss those returns and the safety of, of the treasuries. And, and again, investment grade corporates are also offering attractive returns. Yeah, so a lot of people you get. Oh, sorry, yeah. I started to cut you up. A lot of people are talking about corporate bonds or any, any in particular that you're eyeing, because we often say corporate bonds, but we don't get very particular about it. Well, you know, we're looking at many of the industrial names, it, the companies with the strong balance sheets. That's that's what you want when you're investing in this environment. You want companies with very strong balance sheets, rock solid balance sheets, because not only are we in the debt ceiling scenario. After this, we're going to be looking to see what the Federal Reserve is going to do at its next meeting or perhaps the meeting afterwards. So the market is, you know, wondering, are we going to have more rate hikes and are we headed into a recession? So there's safety uh, in those uh, very strong, high quality corporate bonds and also in uh, in, in treasuries. So the, the, the how do I say this? We're, we have the luxury of being in the equity market, but also having protection from the bond market. All right, let's talk about the broader markets. We had two very big earnings reports, yeah. one NVIDIA, probably the biggest one, maybe the whole quarter. And then also we got a read on the consumer with Best Buy. What did those two reports yeah. tell you? It tells us that, you know, 
the, the, the question mark regarding artificial intelligence, because many have said this is, a, you know, this isn't new and it isn't new. We've had artificial intelligence working uh, with cons- uh, consumer services uh, for some time, but that it is going to continue. That, that's what it told us, that it is not just a, you know, one day wonder. It has been in the works for many, many years and that you're going to be working with some of the big mega cap tech names. So it isn't NVIDIA alone. NVIDIA has joined that rarefied air of these cohorts of the big tech mega tech. You need to be with companies that have strong balance sheets. And so when, again, you see Microsoft, NVIDIA, so on, this is the future. But it's going right. to be basically not that exciting the way that we hear it in, in some of the Senate uh, testimony. Okay. It's probably going to move into customer service, cut costs for companies. That's what we're looking for. All right. Something I let's talk about something that's not quite as exciting. We're very hopeful about the debt ceiling. But next up's the budget. So as we have the run up to that budget negotiation, what sectors are you looking at maybe trying to get away from? Well, you know, in this environment, uh, we're looking still in the industrial space. Much of that is underpinned by uh, the defense names. Now, you've noticed that they are down. They're down because there were questions as to what the budget was going to hold for defense spending. And it looks as if right now that you have uh, Biden's budget, 3% holding. And that's up from last year. It's not what the Republicans want. They wanted a larger amount. But, you know, in this horse trading that's going on, it looks as if that 3% is going to hold. So the uh, infrastructure spending also, you're still going to have that. And that also comes under the uh, industrials. So that is an attractive area. Where we would stay away right now is we, we don't want to get so defensive as if we're headed into a recession next, you know, next month. So right. with the yields up, I don't have to be in utilities right now. We don't have to go into utilities at this point. Quincy, we got to leave the conversation there. Great to see you. you. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for being here. Thank you. All right, a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors just have to know today. But first, NVIDIA closing in on the exclusive $1 trillion club with the AI leader needs to do to gain access. Plus, following NVIDIA's record surge yesterday, the one high-profile investor who missed out after she told CNBC back in February she's focused on, quote, other names. And later, much more on the debt ceiling standoff and why it's more important than ever to get a deal done this weekend. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. We are watching shares of NVIDIA following yesterday's record-breaking move. You see the chart right there. The stock now sitting at an all-time high. NVIDIA added more than $180 billion to its market cap in a single day and is now at $935 billion. It's just knocking on the door of a very elite club, the $1 trillion club. In that club currently, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet. So what needs to happen for the chip maker to get into this exclusive group? Let's bring in Arjun Kapal, standing by in our London newsroom with the answer. Arjun, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Well, look, headline uh, reason, AI needs to continue to grow exponentially and NVIDIA needs to keep meeting that demand. I thought there was an interesting take by Jensen Huang, the CEO of NVIDIA, on the earnings call this week. He said over the last four years, around a trillion dollars has been uh, invested to install infrastructure in data centers. He says a lot of this really is around chips known as CPUs. These are not uh, chips good enough to do the generative AI applications such as those that power ChatGPT and such as the GPUs that NVIDIA sells. He thinks that over the next four years, there's going to be a big transition where some of these CPUs are going to be replaced by GPUs and NVIDIA can capture that potential $1 trillion opportunity. That's how he sees it. So really, uh, NVIDIA's entry into the elusive $1 trillion club is predicated on NVIDIA being able to meet uh, the demand for those AI chips as well as being able to meet the lofty demands it's now given out to the market after that Q2 earnings guidance. We'll flag a couple of risks, though, for NVIDIA. One is the fact that this stock has run up so high so quickly. And I'm sure there are a lot of people thinking, how far can this actually go and whether this, uh, there might be a bit of profit-taking to come. I think the second risk, and perhaps this is a bit longer term, is the potential of increasing competition for NVIDIA. Right now, NVIDIA is clearly the market leader when it comes to the GPUs, when it comes to chips that power AI. But what you are seeing is companies like Google, like Microsoft and Amazon and others, uh, who are running AI applications, beginning to design their own chips to run AI processes that actually compete with NVIDIA. If these companies make substantial breakthroughs and manage to make chips that actually are better, or they feel are better than NVIDIA's chips, that of course could be a, a, a path to these companies weaning themselves off from NVIDIA. That's certainly a much longer term play, but right now NVIDIA clearly the only game in town when it comes to AI chip franks. So Arjun, NVIDIA's rise apparently kind of lifting all boats across multiple sectors. I'm looking at the semi-ETFs, the SMH and the SOXX, both coming off fresh 52-week highs. Same for the Triple Q, same for the Tech Spider XLK. Semi-stock peers also getting a big boost. We're looking at AMD, ASML, all of them right around one-year highs, but with all this euphoria around the stock action this week, one major player in tech reportedly missed out on the rally, namely Kathy Wood. What do you make of that? I've got, I've got, a, I've got a theory, Frank. Firstly, you know, when ChatGPT came out, it was around November. It was new. It really started to go viral around December time. Now, we were looking at this thinking, is this a, just a gimmick? It's a cool thing. But actually, what does it mean for, for these tech firms? What does it mean for these companies able to monetize uh, AI? And clearly, NVIDIA got an initial boost. Now, when Wood sold her stake around January time for NVIDIA, it had already rallied 70% from its October lows. So 
you're looking at that as an investor and you think, well, that's pretty reasonable gain to, to, to have. Let's maybe take that money off the table. And that's perhaps what she did. I'm sure she was also thinking about the interest rate situation. If we were thinking back in January, it was a very different picture for perhaps the outlook for interest rates. People thinking the Fed might go more aggressive. What does that mean for tech stocks? Clearly, the Nasdaq has really held its own this year with, with its own rally as well. So perhaps she was a bit more circumspect and that went behind her question over the valuation of NVIDIA uh, at the time. But what happened with ChatGPT that happened after Cathy Wood's selling of NVIDIA was it really sparked somewhat of an AI arms race amongst the global tech companies in the US with uh, Google bringing out Bard AI and Amazon uh, researching its own generative AI product, but also in China, you've got Baidu and all the big tech giants there looking at their own chat GPT rivals as well. And that's perhaps something uh, she missed out on. It was something that wasn't quite clear when chat GPT was first going viral uh, as this uh, uh, this sort of gimmicky new product, but clearly with the rise of ChatGPT and now this massive uh, investment in AI across the world, NVIDIA is seeing the massive benefit of this, Frank. Arjun, all I got to say is uh, the chart doesn't lie. NVIDIA up 180% since the ARKKK, or ARKK, excuse me, sold out of it. I think a lot of investors are wondering what, what was behind that decision. Arjun Kapal, always great to see you. Live in London this morning for us. Enjoy the long weekend. All right, ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, your big money movers in the chip stock, not named NVIDIA, that's set to soar at the open. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. All right, welcome back to WEX. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories of the morning. We begin with Marvell Technology shares. Generating some electricity this morning, shares up more than 16% after the chipmaker beat analyst expectations for the first quarter and said revenue growth should accelerate in the second half of the fiscal year. The company CEO citing, what else? AI is a key growth driver for Marvell. He's forecasting AI revenue to at least double in fiscal 2024 from the prior year. All right, shares of Ulta Beauty needing a makeover, falling down this morning more than 8% after the company just barely beat quarterly expectations and it's stuck with its full-year same-store sales outlook. Executives noting inflation concerns are leading consumers to spend more selectively and that while category growth remains healthy, it is moderating following two years of unprecedented growth. And a very different picture for another retail, retailer, excuse me, shares of Gap fitting just right. Shares up more than 12% this morning. Its earnings report showed major improvement in margins despite a slight revenue miss. Gap, which also owns Banana Republic, Old Navy, and Athleta, saw margins improve thanks to reduced promotions and lower air freight expenses. However, all four of its brands did report another quarter of declining sales. We're going to dive deeper into the retail sector and the state of the consumer in just a few minutes. And as always, for a deeper dive into the action within the markets and investing advice, be sure to head over to CNBC.com and sign up for one of our numerous newsletter offerings. All right, straight ahead here on WEX. Silicon Valley may be abuzz with the talk of AI, but now one major Wall Street bank's it wants in on this white-hot tech trend. And a reminder, if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. 
And right now, the best investment you can make is sign up for CNBC Pro with a special offer to get exclusive stock tips and insight. Just go to cnbc.com slash pro, or you can just scan the QR code on your screen to sign up. Worldwide Exchange will be back in just a moment. It's right around 5.30 a.m. here in the New York City area, and we are just getting started here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. Markets closely watching developments out of D.C. this morning. We are following reports the White House and Speaker McCarthy are very close to a debt ceiling deal. The very latest on where those talks stand in just a moment. And an electrifying union as Ford and Tesla, they team up. The legacy automaker is giving EV customers a few thousand more options when it comes to charging. And one of the biggest names in the financial sector jumping on that artificial intelligence bandwagon. Our Hugh Sun is standing by with exclusive details on J.P. Morgan's AI ambitions and how it might make its customers more money. It's Friday, May the 26th. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Thanks for starting your morning with us. Let's pick up a half an hour with the check on U.S. stock futures. As we mentioned just about a half an hour ago, a bit of a muted picture. The Nasdaq up fractionally. The S&P and the Dow down fractionally. We'll continue to watch these futures all morning long. We're also watching the bond market, especially as we inch closer to that so-called X date. We're seeing elevated yields. Uh, when it comes to the 10-year, the benchmark, 3.78, it's continued to rise as we've gotten closer and closer to June 1st. Even more action on the two-year and other shorter-term bonds. Uh, right now, basically at 4.5, again, elevated, these yields rising as we get closer and closer to June 1st. We also got to look at oil. So we have seen oil just fall very slightly, down about a dollar from where it was yesterday. This morning at 72 and a little bit of change, up a half a percent. Brent crude at basically 76 and a half, also up fractionally right now. Natural gas down about a half a percent. All right, let's get a check on some of this morning's top stories. Our Bertha Coombe, she's back with those. Bertha, over to you. Hey, good morning, Frank. Ongoing tensions between the U.S. and China rearing their head during a meeting between the two countries' commerce secretaries. Gina Raimondo calling talks with her Chinese counterpart, quote, candid and substantive. That's diplomatic speak for, wow, it was tough. With the two sides digging in on trade and investment policies, yesterday's meeting in Washington marking the first cabinet-level exchange between the U.S. and China in months. Another high-level meeting between U.S. and Chinese trade reps is also expected today in Detroit. Democratic lawmakers in the House reintroducing legislation to rein in corporate stock buybacks. The bill would prohibit buybacks on the open market as a way for companies to raise the value of their stock. Lawmakers want that money put towards workers' salaries. SEC Chair Gary Gensler revealing earlier this month that corporate buybacks jumped from $950 billion in 2021 to $1.25 trillion dollars last year. And Ford and Tesla announcing a new partnership when it comes to EV charging. Under the deal, current Ford EV owners will be getting access to more than 12,000 Tesla superchargers across the U.S. and Canada starting early next year via the use of an adapter. Now, Ford adding that its next generation of EVs will come with Tesla's Tesla's charging plug. You know, Frank, they're getting to be a lot like the tech giants overall, right? They are competitors, but they're also frenemies. They got to work together <laughs> as well. Frenemies is a definitely an interesting way to put it. Uh, our Bertha Coombs, great to see you as always. Enjoy the weekend. 
All right, turn now to Washington and developing story around the U.S. debt ceiling negotiations. Multiple reports this morning. The Biden administration and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's office, they're closing in on a deal. The legislation being drafted would raise the government's $31.4 trillion debt ceiling for two more years. It would also impose strict caps on most items not related to the military or veteran spending. The deal, which is not final yet, would specify the total amount the government could spend on discretionary programs like housing and education. As of this morning, the two sides are reportedly just $70 billion apart on that figure, which could total well over $1 trillion. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy briefed reporters last night. We'll continue working hard. I think we've got time. We're going to get this done. Have you talked to Senator McConnell? Are you close to a deal? Look, there is no agreement. All right? Uh, We know where our differences lie. We've worked throughout the day, and we'll continue to work to try to be able to solve the problem. But there is no agreement. All right, final words. There is no agreement, but a lot of hope for an agreement. The latest inroads come just six days until the Treasury's projected X date of June 1st. According to the Bipartisan Policy Center, that's when $71 billion in payments are due to veterans and Medicare beneficiaries. Joining me now is Rachel Snyderman, Senior Associate Director of Business and Economic Policy at the Bipartisan Policy Center. Rachel, great to have you here this morning. Thanks so much, Frank. It's wonderful to be here. All right, I think we've got to start with the X date. Uh, you have your own research. Again, the Bipartisan Policy Center does its own research separate from any partisan um, involvement at all. Is the X date, is it genuinely June 1st or do we have a little bit more wiggle room? So I think it's important to stress that no one and not even Secretary Yellen can predict precisely when the X date will occur. And that's because we are attempting to assess millions of payments that are going in and out of the federal government on a daily basis. And in a time where we're coming off of tax season, and in particular a weekend tax season, you know, that I'm trying to estimate those cash flows is a really tricky business. And so it's important to estimate and, and to tell lawmakers that you know, there's a real risk when these cash balances draw close to zero. You know, the, the risks associated with Treasury trying to operate these daily payments can exist well before that before that time. And so that's really where we're in the business to showcase not only that there is tremendous uncertainty in providing these estimates, um, given the broader macroeconomic challenges associated with doing so, but also that it behooves lawmakers to act before things get truly dicey. Okay. We're talking about upholding the full faith and credit of the United States. Well, what's your estimate? Give us your estimate. Is, it, is so, your estimate June 1st? So the Bipartisan Policy Center sees that there is a tremendous risk in early June. We provide a range um, because of precisely this you know, uncertainty in estimating cash flows. And so we, we see a heightened risk, particularly within June 1st and June 13th. And I think it's important, too, to, to show that Secretary Yellen has said that it really comes after June 1st that she sees that, okay. that risk. And so, so we understand where she sees that. You're not, you're not far off, but you, there might be more time. Um, I'm going to get to another hot button issue. A lot of concern about the U.S. credit rating being lowered, even if there is a deal. Is that a real risk in your mind, even at this stage? It certainly is. We saw earlier this week that Fitch has put the United States AAA credit rating on a negative watch. We saw in 2011 that Standard & Poor's downgraded the U.S. credit rating um, because of political brinkmanship and our failure to address our longer-term fiscal challenges. And we know that those uh, those credit downgrades have significant costs to that are borne then by taxpayers as we see higher borrowing costs that the United States government must face. And so I do think that you know, even if a deal comes down to the 11th hour, um, you know, given the statements that we've seen this week, um, 
you know, there, there is certainly an elevated concern in the market. Um, Yeah, certainly something we have to watch. Rachel Snyderman, great to have you here. Thank you for your insight. Thank you so much for having me. All right, turns to another big topic when it comes to the markets, AI. maybe the number one boardroom buzzword at NVIDIA, Alphabet, Microsoft, and Meta. But now the banking sector is apparently looking to put its own spin on this white-hot tech trend, with one name in particular looking to lead that charge. CNBC.com banking reporter Hugh Sun joins me now with his exclusive report. Hugh, you always have your finger on the pulse of banking. Good morning. What are you hearing? I try, Frank. Good morning. Great to be with you. Uh, you know, here's what we know. About two weeks ago, J.P. Morgan filed to trademark uh, something that they call Index GPT. Now, Index GPT, it sounds similar to Chat GPT, the chatbot, the AI chatbot that's taking the world by storm. Uh, and there's a good reason for that. Within the filing, J.P. Morgan says that uh, you know their potential product uses the same uh, essential technology. It's generative, pre-trained. Uh, transformer technology to get technical for a moment. And so what that essentially means is that it's uh, intending to train its AI on the large language models uh, that are also the underpinning of of, uh, ChatGPT. And so in their filing, they're very clear they intend to use this service to provide uh, software as a service to customers to essentially analyze and select securities for their investment needs. Uh, and so that, you know, is is a pretty potentially disruptive uh, development coming out of the the biggest U.S. bank uh, in the world, in the nation. All right. So, Hugh, you're burying the lead, man. You wrote a great article. Is this AI going to replace financial advisors, wealth managers? I mean, what's next? Like, is my portfolio going to now be decided by a chat GPT cousin, if you will? Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far, Frank. And for, for this reason, there, there have always been uh, pieces of technology, whether it's more simple robo-advisors, that type of thing. The human relationship is a powerful one. I think what this shows is that J.P. Morgan is willing to try and to experiment a little bit. They, they are willing to potentially put out a product because that's what certainly what this filing indicates, that they intend to, within a few years, if they get this trademark approved, put out a product called Index GPT. They're willing to put out a product that's an experiment that could gain some traction with a certain kind of uh, wealth management customer. Uh, but, I, you know, I certainly gets closer to this idea of disruption for the human financial advisor. Uh, so I wouldn't want to dissuade, you know, just sort of discount that. But it also is a big thing to say that, you know, you could snap a finger and all of a sudden, you know, the trillions of dollars being advised by financial advisors is suddenly up for grabs. I don't think right. that's the case, Rick. All right, certainly something to watch. Uh, Hugh Sun, your story's on CNBC.com. It is a good one, as always. Great to see you. Thanks for being here. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, caution ahead. The growing worries among companies about the strength of the consumer. We've got much more Worldwide Exchange. We're back in a moment. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet, where we check on a few of the morning's biggest upgrades and downgrades by firms you know and stocks that you likely own. We began with Wolf Research downgrading Snowflake's rating from outperform to peer perform. Wolf citing downward guidance revisions, creating less conviction on near and long-term growth, along with growing competition headwinds. Now we're looking over what Piper Sandler's doing. It's initiating coverage of United Health, giving it an overweight rating and a $580 price target. It says United's Optum units will benefit the company over the next decade. And Morgan Stanley, it is now upgrading its rating on Rio Tinto from equal weight to overweight. It says despite demand concerns and falling iron ore prices hitting the stock, bullish due to its uh, Rio Tinto's growing copper footprint and improving operating performance. Shares of Rio Tinto up more than 3% this morning. 
Turning now to retail. Retail closing out another busy week of earnings as investors look for insight on the health of the consumer and how companies are navigating diverging spending trends. Despite a cautious consumer and more tepid sales trends, it's been a relatively strong quarter, with many retailers beating on earnings due to strong margins. But while Walmart, Target, Best Buy, Home Depot, and Lowe's, they've all beat EPS expectations, the real story, it may be in guidance, with only Walmart issuing positive forecasts for the next fiscal year. Let's get more insight into the quarter with Jerry Storch, Storch Advisor's CEO, as well as the former Target Vice Chairman and former Toys R Us CEO, and Jerome Martis, Director of Consumer Research at Refinitiv, an LSEG company. Thank you both for being here. Jerry, I'm going to start off with you. What do these reports tell us about the incredibly resilient U.S. consumer? Look, uh, while the consumer is resilient, they're definitely slowing. And they've been slowing since last summer. When you inflation adjust retail sales, the year-over-year numbers have been negative now for eight straight months. And it's been a straight line down. It's been declining for eight straight months. And the retailers that reported, when you read what they wrote, some of them certainly beat earnings, as you pointed out. But those were lowered expectations. I think Walmart's the only one that really had a strong report across the board. And one thing I've learned after doing this for a long time, when Walmart has a 7% comp store sales gain and Target is flat, you know, since 1961 when they both started, when Walmart does well and Target doesn't do as well, it means tough times are ahead for consumers. Jerome, you, do, you put out great research notes. I know you're always keeping your eye on the data when it comes to the retail sector. So Jerry mentioned lower expectations for earnings. Are, are retailers, are they also lowering their prices? Are we seeing more discounting and more deals? Well, it's interesting because retailers, 70% of the retailers in our Refinitiv Index have been earnings expectations. And this is mainly because the amount of merchandise on sale at U.S. malls in the first quarter dropped significantly. Refinitive discovered in a collaboration with Centric Pricing. In fact, it's come down so much to below pre-pandemic levels. And as a result, this is what's helping gross margins at the various retailers. On top of that, retailers are no longer dealing with those pandemic expenses like the freight, high freight costs, shipping, and transportation costs, which is also allowing them to post those stronger earnings than they have in the past. Um, so as a result, that's what we're seeing, that the bulk of retailers are beating earnings expectations. All right. Very interesting. So, Jerry, back over to you. You mentioned Walmart's outperformance and really strong report. Is this a sign that consumers are just weary from inflation and maybe they're starting to get tapped out? We continue to talk about how resilient they are, but are we nearing the end of their ability to continue to spend? I think you're absolutely right. Uh, another uh, data point that points to that is the increase in credit card lending, where consumers are resorting to their credit cards, which is the most expensive form of financing they have on their balance sheet in order to finance the spending that they're doing. So I really think we're seeing that inflation, while coming down, isn't coming down fast enough for consumers just at the same time that some of these pandemic spending programs are ending. And so they're ending up in a little bit of a crunch. And you heard that from almost every retailer. You talked about the forward guides. Almost every one of them said that they're seeing signs of strain on the consumer, even Walmart said the same thing, and that they were benefiting from higher-end consumers trading down into Walmart. So I think we've got to be realistic that where we stand right now is a fairly muted environment as we look from now, which we're starting to do, believe it or not, to the holiday season. Wow, already looking to the holiday season. So, Jerome, back over to you. Um, what about confidence? Do consumers feel confident to spend with so much turmoil? We have the debt ceiling. 
We have the possibility of recession. And again, inflation is still persistent. Well, what's keep the consumer engaged so far is the fact that they feel very good about their job security. The definitive consumer confidence has seen a slight improvement because of this, but all eyes are really on the on whether there comes a resolution for the U.S. debt ceiling and whether the unemployment rate remains at where it is. If the consumers start to feel see that there's no resolution with the U.S. debt ceiling and that their job security um, that they might lose their job, that the unemployment rate starts to come up, then they're going to put their hands in their pockets and hold back on spending. So with that in mind, Jerome, is there one stock, one company we should be watching right now? So I agree with Jerry that Walmart has been the biggest winner right now. But coming up, there's still some more retailers to report. And Lululemon is expected to close double-digit same-store sales on top of very strong same-store sales last year. And this is because consumers are very much concerned about wellness and self-care. Um, we've seen that across the board, even um, on cloud did very well. We saw that Ulta Beauty did really good because self-care is very important to consumers. Um, so as a result, Lululemon is the one retailer that is projected to post very strong same-store sales this early season. All right, thanks for the name to watch. Jerry Storch and Jerome Artis, great to have you both here. Enjoy the weekend. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, the one word that every investor needs to know today, G-Square Private Wells' Victoria Green. She lays out the concerning signals that she's seeing within the markets. And CNBC is celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander heritage throughout the month of May. As we had to break, here is EVgo Chief Revenue Officer Chandi Chattarubi. Growing up in an Asian household, my parents have instilled values of hardship, believing in myself and giving back to community. And I've charted my career based on those values. I have taken up opportunities where historically there has been a very low representation of women. I have seeked out mentors that value diversity, that value who I am, what I bring to the table. So I think uh, mentorship, giving back to the community, and as you get more senior, creating that time and space to nurture the next generation of talent uh, would be my message uh, to, to everyone. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Six stories you need to know before the opening bell. We begin with Elon Musk. Neuralink says it has received regulatory approval to start the first inhuman clinical study for its brain implant. However, no start date was announced. Overseas, Norway's $1.4 trillion sovereign wealth fund, the world's single largest stock market investor, says it will vote against. CEO Mike Wirth continues as the chair of Chevron's board. Riot police in France using tear gas and pepper spray on several hundred climate activists, looking to block shareholders from accessing Total Energy's annual shareholder meeting. Investors are voting on resolutions to speed up cuts to the amount of gases produced by the company. Kathy Wood's flagship fund missing out on the NVIDIA stock surge this year. The ARK Innovation ETF completely closing out its stake in the chipmaker back in early January. NVIDIA stock has added around $560 billion in market cap since then. Speaking of a semi-surge, Marvell Technology shares jumping after the chipmaker beat analyst expectations for the first quarter with a very upbeat outlook all around AI. And Hyundai Motor and LG Energy announcing plans to build a more than $4 billion electric vehicle battery plant in Savannah, Georgia, where Hyundai will also open up a new EV factory. Gearing up for the trading day ahead, several pieces of economic data on tap, including the Fed's favorite inflation gauge, core PCE, that's out at 8.30 a.m., along with durable goods. We also get the latest look at consumer sentiment at 10 a.m. 
As for the consumer, we get earnings from Big Lots and Buckle before the bell, along with Booz Allen Hamilton. And be sure to catch Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester's exclusive conversation with CNBC. That's coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern. The market's gearing up to close out the, the week ahead of the long holiday weekend. And we got some new data from Bank of America out just a short time ago showing that stocks overall saw a third week of outflows. But tech stocks, they saw their sixth straight week of inflows as that sector continues to grind higher this year. For much more on the trading day ahead, let's bring in Victoria Green, G-Square Private Wealth founding partner and CIO, as well as a CNBC contributor. Vicky, always great to see you. Good morning, Frank. All right, so we just kind of broke some data right there from Bank of America. Stocks seeing outflows, tech stocks seeing inflows. Are you a believer in this tech rally, especially after that NVIDIA uh, report that just seems to be pushing AI-related stocks higher? Yeah, I think everybody's going to start talking AI in their in their earnings. That it helps pop them up. But look, obviously, Nvidia, the the rally's real, you know, and being concentrated in these mega cap tech stocks has been where to be this market, and it's probably going to continue to rum up. It's certainly at some point going to get frothy and bubbly. I mean, I think you're talking a hundred percent plus rally in some of these stocks this year. But you cannot deny the potential in AI. You cannot deny the earnings prowess that these companies have. And so, yeah, I think investors first off see some of them as a safe haven, saying on oh, Microsoft or an Apple, that they're so big and blue chip that they will be secure. And then the potential growth from all of these technological advancements and what AI could bring to us is, is intriguing. So I do think it's going to get frothy, but I think right now you play the hot hand and you stay with them for a little bit. Yeah, I think a lot of people agree with you on that take right there. Something else we have to talk to you about is the debt ceiling in those negotiations. We have some optimism, but with all the uncertainty in mind, can I ask you, what is your WEX word of the day? It's deja vu. It feels like 2011 all over again. You know, get that Adele rolling in the deep playing, you know, get your, your bright colored pants on. You know, we've definitely rolled back the clock. We've been here. We've done this before. And the problem is the pain of getting us to this deal is almost as bad as a default. And when we look at how poorly we're functioning as a government right now, we just have to realize there's a cost to bear. If we have a one basis point increase in costs on our debt, that's $3.1 billion a year more in just interest costs that we have to bear. So even if we we get a painful deal done that kind of needs to get the framework done today so they even have time to pass it on Tuesday. The Senate's looking a little dicey. You know, you had commentary that it's not expected to necessarily be smooth sailing, especially if there's not rollbacks. And that's the biggest sticking point, right? Is it a, is it a freeze? Is it rollbacks? Right. What do we do with defense spending? I think there's great optimism. I am hopeful a deal gets done. But some of this pain is long lasting. I mean, Fitch just saying, hey, come on, guys, get, get it together please run the country a little bit better or else we're going to have to downgrade you. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, I'm um, looking at short-term bonds. Obviously, the yields are elevated. What do you do when it comes to portfolio protection with all, these vol- all this volatility and all these questions in the market? Yeah, and I think you want to be a little bit defensive. You know, this is a tail risk. We've got that, the, the 6-1 Treasury, uh, what is it, trading at 7.05%. At least that was where it was yesterday. So there is some fear that this could uh, get a little bit messy. But generally speaking, Treasury auctions have been very orderly. We've still seen high demand for Treasuries. But we are a little bit defensive. You know, we're playing the melt-up on the tech side. But if you look at everything else in the, the market, it's not necessarily rallying. If you look at, for instance, yesterday was such a strange day in the market where you had the Dow negative, but the, the S&P and the NASDAQ up 1, 1 in 75. And so you have this bifurcation in the market. We think you want to stick to quality. We think you, you need to be a little bit braced. You know, 11 got pretty ugly as we got near these deadlines. And, and it's going to be messy. The prioritization, if they have to pay certain things, it's not necessarily a sure thing that okay. that's completely legal. There's going to be challenges. And we've got $40 billion the U.S. has to pay on wow. James 2nd. 
All right, we got to watch that. Victoria Green, always great to see you. Enjoy the long weekend. All right, that's going to do our for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We've got Squawk Box coming up next. Thanks for watching. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well, then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard.